Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, I don't know if you felt that, but Angie was right. That worship is just messing me up. I just, I, mean, I, I, I told Micah last week, how did you stand up for the, your teaching? I mean, he started off on the floor. How did you get back up? And I'm struggling a little bit right now. It's just, it's thick. It's really good stuff. So, yeah, um, I wanted to, whew. <laughs> I wanted to talk today, um, I want to just kind of build on what has, the momentum that's been happening, and uh, just with all that Micah was talking about last week, I hope it hits you hard like it hit me, just, you know, wheeling everything down to that one thing, that one thing which is Jesus, and setting everything else aside, and going after that, but I was thinking about the... Um, you know, one of the, the callings on this, this body, and one of the great strengths that Aaron has is this idea of dreaming. And so I was having this conversation with God and, and just kind of um, looking at some of the things that I've been studying lately and uh, was asking, you know, how does dreaming go with the one thing? How does this, how does this all come together? But before I jump into that, you know, one of the one of the heaviest things that's been hitting me lately is just how amazingly big Jesus is, how big God is. Let me read this scripture to you to kind of illustrate what I'm talking about. This is an Old Testament prophecy, but it's talking about, it's pointing forward to the coming Jesus, the coming Christ child. This is Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. This is what it says. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. What really hits me and what's been really weighing on me about that verse is, is the beginning of verse 7 is where it says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That is blowing my mind. Like there is no end to the increase of his government. I live with this finite idea, like, and he's infinite. And so here's what I, here's what I mean by that. Like, I, I think, okay, I'm going to live my life and die. There's an end to it, right? And then I go to heaven, and, and, and we just kind of end up there. But what Scripture says is it doesn't just end there. It is always increasing, there is always something more. He is always going in, into more. 
And I feel like when I'm trying to wrap my, my brain around this, it's like this conversation I have with my kids sometimes is they'll look at me and they'll say, well, um, God created everything, but who created God? And like, no, nobody created God. He just always was. He's infinite. No, but, but somebody had to start him, right? No, no. Nobody started God. God is, is everything. That's how big this infinity thing is. That's how big God is. We just can't completely wrap our, our minds around it. The other thing is um, that, that old argument, you guys might have had this on the playground. You ever have the thing where, for whatever reason, the, the kids are trying to come up with the biggest number, right? And so, like, one of them, you know, starts with 100 because that's the highest you can get on a test. They're like, well, thousands bigger than a million. And then they start making up numbers like bazillion and kajillion and gazillion, right? They're, they're not real numbers, but they think that they're real numbers. Uh-huh, gazillion's bigger than a bazillion. Yeah, it is, All right? Well, finally, somebody thinks they're really smart, and they say, well, infinity, right? But then some other smart aleck comes up and says, well, infinity plus one. <laughs> right? And so they just basically start the, the whole argument over and over and over again. It's because our brains can't comprehend, like, how big God is that there's no end. Like, how does his government never stop increasing? How does that never, how, how does he come to no end? One way that I really... Um, that I, I really think about, like, I can illustrate this in, in my own life. Every year, at the beginning of the year, we do this um, dream list. And, you know, some of them are very spiritual, and some of them are just kind of fun dreams. You know, I dream of having this favorite car kind of thing, or I dream I'm going this, this, this wonderful vacation. Well, let me read to you um, some popular things that people have, have often put on their dream lists. Um, Here's 20 things that, that people often put on their, on their bucket list, on their dream list. Get elected to a public office. Write a book. Go scuba diving. Own a business. Here's a very spiritual one. See someone raised from the dead. That's a really good one. Preach at church on a Sunday morning. Get on the worship team. Earn a million dollars. Start a nonprofit organization. Earn a college degree, pay off debt, lose weight, buy a house, get married, read the entire Bible cover to cover, run a marathon, go to the Super Bowl, retire early, visit all 50 states, and my favorite one, donate a huge sum of money to a worthy cause like me. <laughs> it's okay. You can take any of these and use them as your own. But all of, those, all of those, you know, dreams are great things, right? But the question is, is what happens when they come true? Now, some of those seem more likely to come true than others. But what happens when you hit that dream and you hit that goal? What happens afterwards? Because um, if you're not careful, you're going to forget um, you, your success will turn into just a lot of suck, you just, you just get the beginning of it because you'll reach the, the end goal and then you're like, well, what do I do now? Recently, you know, uh, not too long ago, Angie and I um, had been working really hard to pay off our house. And so, you know, we, we sacrificed. We were at the point where we really probably could have used a new vehicle, but we're, Angie's looking at the finances and she's like, you know what? 
If we wait a year or so before we get a new vehicle, and we just kind of make do with this one, and we put all of that in, into paying off the house, we could have our house paid off in like a year or so. And I'm like, well, let's do it. We can, you know, we can, we can, you know, suffer through this this vehicle, hopefully. And uh, and so we did, and we're thinking, man, this this is great, and we're ready to bring the last check in to, to totally pay off our house. We've never had any other debt. Uh, I ha- actually I had a, a student loan, but we paid that off very early. We paid that off actually while we were in graduate school. But um, no other debt than our house. So we're getting ready to pay off our house. And we go in, and we got this check, and we're thinking, we're big shots. We're going into the bank here to hand over the check. And uh, we give it, you know, we tell the teller, hey, we're here to pay off our house. We were thinking, you know, we're going to be celebrities here at the bank. And we hand over the check, and she's like, she's like, thank you. Would you like to take out a home equity line? <laughs> and we're like, oh. That's it. What do we do now? I guess we go home and have leftovers. (laughs) Great. (laughs) And so if you're not careful, you know, that was a great goal to hit. But if that was all our life was about is reaching that goal and we don't have anything beyond that, then we're going to end up the rest of our life disappointed. We're going to end up the rest of our life wondering what in the world is going on. So the question that I I have is what happens after our dreams come true? Because we have to have vision for dreams, but we have to be thinking beyond that because the Lord only knows increase. And so when his dreams come true, it doesn't ever stop. When God does something, when God shoots for for something, when he dreams of, of, of creation... He starts it up, and he doesn't, you know, the way I think is I dream, oh, I'm going to make a tree, okay, if I could make a tree. I'm going to make a tree. I have the tree, goal set, made that tree, good. Now that tree will just be there forever. The way God does it is he makes a seed. You plant the seed. The seed grows into the tree, and then a bunch of more seeds dump out. That tree dies, but the other ones start growing as well, and now you've got a thousand times as many trees as you started with, and it keeps growing and growing and growing. And that's how God does it. It's infinite. It never stops. He, he only knows increase. But for us, if we, if we are finite in our thinking, there can be a danger in meeting our, our goals and seeing our goals come and seeing our dreams come true. If we stay finite in our thinking, <clears throat> there can be a danger. Because what happens is, what people tend to do is, you get into a place of prosperity... And you see this in cultures, in governments, in businesses. And you work hard. You, you, you group together. You, you fight all the fights together to get there. And then all of a sudden you reach it, and then you feel like you have to protect that. I've, I've reached this prosperity, and now I have to protect that. And I'm afraid to go do anything else because I might lose what I worked so hard to get to. And so you lose all the momentum that you had when you're trying to get there. The Bible is full of examples, but if you look in the Scripture over and over and over, you'll see this, that one king will come in, and he'll have this wonderful vision. He'll have this wonderful momentum, and the people join together, and they pursue the Lord. They remember the one thing, and they go after that one thing together. And then prosperity comes in, and, and, and it's a, just a wonderful time. But then the next generation comes in and they're like, oh, this is nice. Let's just relax and enjoy it. 
and then it becomes more and more self-centered. It's not what we can work together to, to do. It's what can I enjoy on my own by myself. And then it starts to fade, and the one thing is gone, and the one thing gets replaced by whatever that goal that you've already met, and you're stuck in that cycle. So, I, I, was, I wanted to talk about a few things that I, I think we can do to help keep our eyes on the infinite and not just on the finite. It's not that the finite doesn't matter. We need to have finite goals. I need to figure out, you know, how am I going to make sure that uh, this, this week's bills get paid, okay? I need to have finite goals. But the finite needs to feed into the infinite, that he only knows increase, that there's something everlasting always going on. We're moving toward eternity, but we do live in a world where there's a lot of finite. Everyone in here, unless Jesus comes back quickly, will have an end to this physical, earthly life. You only have so many days. Your days are numbered on this earth the way that it is right now, unless Jesus comes back. So you only have so much time. So, you, so on the one hand, we're thinking in the finite. On the other hand, we're thinking toward eternity. Because we do, we will last forever. Things will just change. So here are a few things um, that I, I thought would be helpful as we try to keep our eyes on, on, the, on the finite. We've got to differentiate between goals and our purpose. Now you can have goals in life, but goals are often finite. But your purpose will continue. Your purpose for what you do continues. So here's an example. We often think in the church, and this is really kind of a, a Western church thing, we think, well, you know, we want to go out and we want to get people saved, right? That's a good thing. That's a good goal. Go out and get people saved. Have them come to the Lord. But if it stops there, if it's finite like that, then they're, they're never going to grow into anything. The real goal that we have is to get people, the, the real, I, I should say, the real purpose that we have is to become Christ-like, Okay? So it doesn't matter if you know Jesus now or you've known him for 50 years. Your goal is still to become Christ-like. If you're, it, it is not a goal. It is not a goal. It is not something that you can reach completely because it's always increasing. God is always expanding, always increasing, always more and more. And so if we're becoming more and more Christ-like, we cannot stop and say, well, we're done, we're there. Because we're, we're, always, we're always increasing, we're always advancing. So another idea that you can think of is the goal of marriage and the purpose of marriage. Okay? The goal of marriage may change at different times. The goal might be when you're engaged is to get married. But if that is your purpose, you've got problems in your marriage because once you get married, then what do you do now? You're stuck. But the purpose of marriage is, and, th and this is my purpose, but I think that you should own this one. The purpose is to grow as close as the two of you can grow together. That's infinite. There's always something more that you can grow in that. There's always something bigger in that. So whatever your goals might be, whatever goals God might put before you in life, your purpose is always going to be to love. You're always going to have that purpose. So next um, is dream bigger than you can do on your own. 
If the only thing it would take is money to make all of your dreams come true, there's something wrong with your dreams. Now, you can have some dreams that money would help make come true, but if all of your dreams would be solved by money, then your dreams are too small. God created us to dream, which would include other people around us, which include him in it. If you remember, um, hopefully, you know, if, if you've read through Scripture at all, this is a, a really important passage. What are the greatest commandments in Scripture? Matthew 22, 34 through 40. This is what Jesus was asked. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You see, if any of our goals keep us away from those two great commandments, then those goals are getting in the way of our one thing. Love is an infinite idea. It never ends. You can't say, well, I've achieved love. I've gotten there. It's something that you're always growing in. What you want to think about is what are some things, when you are, when you are getting vision for your life, what are some things that you can only do with Jesus? If you have a lot of things on your list that you can do without him, you probably need to expand your list. And then I would add to that, what are some things that you can only do with other people around you? What are goals that you're reaching out for, that you're trying to accomplish and achieve, that are outside of just yourself, that would, that would benefit more than just you, that you can come together as a team and achieve together? You know, a lot of people have a hard time um, feeling comfortable working with other, with other people. But it's really, it's not that you don't like people usually, it's that you don't trust people. And you don't start trusting people until you start being around people. You need time with people to begin to trust them. You need goals that you work on together. You need to find things that it's to benefit of both of you to see both of you succeed. We don't feel safe when we learn how to protect ourselves. We feel safe when we're around safe people. You learn that people are safe when you spend time with them working on something that benefits both of you together. Here's another thing that we can do. Rest. Rest is something that we don't fully understand. You see, it was a command in the Old Testament law, so it must have been pretty important. God set an example for himself. God even rested. God took time to rest. So it must be important for us. And rest is not a goal to be reached. You can't set your goal for rest. That's like setting your goal to eat. Okay? Rest is a part of a natural flow of infinite, infinite 
what you need constantly, over and over and over again. God programmed that in for us to continually be refreshed and renewed in rest. Making rest, making rest as a goal is like making eating a goal. And we're not looking to achieve it. We're looking to maintain it. In fact, there are things that I want to do as I work, I want to be in a place of rest. I want to find rest as I am moving forward, as I'm going towards something. And so I don't want to be thinking what I have to strive to do. I want to put forth the effort, but I want to trust God to empower my efforts. The, the responsibility is not on me to make sure that my efforts are successful. That's on God. But my, my responsibility is to put forth the effort. He will... He will illuminate it. Another thing that we struggle in this culture, and, and I'm going to say this, <clears throat> this is a millennial struggle, but it is not, I do not mean that by the, when I say that, I'm not talking about the millennial generation. I'm talking about our millennial time culture, because I'm not a millennial, but I struggle with this, too, because of the culture that we're in. So it's not like, you know, a lot of, I think millennials have gotten a bad rap because we say, well, you know, this is what they're like. No, this is our culture. We're all in this, okay? We're all, we're all in this together, is patience. Patience is something that um, we have we've started to, to forget what it's about. Even with finite goals, we need to learn how to have patience. Now let me t talk a, a, just a second about our, our recent history in, in our country. Let's go back to the, what they call the greatest generation, the, that World War II generation, okay? That, that generation that knew how to be patient. They were a, a group that really learned how to band together. They all believed in the cause, which was fighting World War II. And so, you know, those that mostly men went overseas and fought in the war and everybody was supporting and believing it. Many women came together and took on the jobs that the men had been working before. And the people who um, were too old or, or, or unable could buy war bonds to kind of go toward the effort. Everybody was coming together, bonding together, and it was more about what we could do together than it was what one individual would be doing. And so they were constantly pushing, pushing forward onto victory. And, you know, they they burnt themselves out for a cause. And then the next generation, the boomers come in, and they, the greatest generation didn't want them to have to suffer the way that they did, which is good. You shouldn't want your children to have to struggle the way that you struggled. Okay? But they should have some kind of a struggle. There should be something that they are struggling toward. So the boomers came in, and it was the American dream. It was, you know, what can we dream about? What can we, what can we move toward? What can we see happen? And then, uh, you know, my generation came in, Gen Xers, and it was, you know, it was more about entertainment. And, you know, we kind of increased in that. And, and you know, let's, let's find these new ways to relax. And that's why I think the best movies were all in the 80s. <laughs> and then, you know, the millennials came in, and it was more and more and more about convenience is, you know, I want it now, let's see it happen, I don't have to wait, I don't have to be patient. Now, this wasn't because of the millennial generation that did that, this was the momentum that we built toward as a, as, as a community, okay? So to blame the millennials, they were just on that end of it. 
we're all in this. We're all part of this together. Now, convenience is not a bad thing, but convenience when it teaches you not to be patient is a problem. You see, we can either choose what kind of struggle and suffering we're going to face, or we're going to have a struggle and suffering that's thrown at us because we got too lazy to worry about it. There will be struggle in life. It is going to happen. And that's not always a bad thing. But um, when we take out the struggle, we tend to find that it's hard to hope. And Scripture will prove this. Because we don't know what we're moving toward. We don't know what we're about. Let's look at Romans 5, 3, 3 through 5. I think this is interesting. Angie and I have talked about this Scripture a lot. It says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I want you to notice something. It says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. It doesn't say, I glory in my suffering. There's something about suffering together that gives us hope. There's something about suffering. So you say, well, I don't have any hope. Well, according to this formula, if I want to get to hope, I have to start with suffering. That doesn't sound fun. Let me replace this, the word suffering, though, with, with struggle. There's something that we, we need to understand that you just can't achieve overnight. You, can't, you just can't go on Amazon Prime and have, have it delivered to you for success in life. There's something that you just have to continually push for, and it's much more fulfilling if you do that together, if you're doing that as a team. You know, I do see, um, I was just in Florida um, last weekend, or last week, and... Um, my son Caleb and I went with my father-in-law, and we went to Kennedy Space Center. And I was kind of blown away with some of the things. I don't, I don't pay attention a lot what they're doing, what, they're, you know, what Musk is doing, what they're moving forward in. But I was pretty impressed on some of the vision and things that our world is wanting to move toward to see increase. To see, you know, they're looking at uh, harvesting asteroids, like, we don't have enough minerals here on Earth, so let's go capture some asteroids and harvest that. I thought that was pretty neat. They're teaming up for increase. They're looking at colonizing Mars, you know, as, as, as we start to solve problems and if, you know, if we see uh, uh, the population on this planet growing and people are getting healthier and healthier, and they really are across the world, well, then, then people are going to live longer and longer. Maybe colonizing Mars is a good problem to figure out how we have to solve. Because he only knows increase. And then when that happens, what happens next is increase. We find another planet to colonize. Who knows what happens next? Maybe Jesus comes back and he, he does all that for us. I don't know. But I do have some encouragement when I see that. The other thing, another thing I want to mention is that will help us get into our infinite vision is values versus interests. You see, our values are essential because they point us, they show us what the right direction is. 
interests are finite. Interests will change from time to time. What's in my best interest today is not what was in my best interest 20 years ago. But my values should continue. My values should continue to move forward. And um, sometimes there will be things that are not in my immediate best interest that I will do because of my values. And I've got two examples I'll give you that my kids did recently. Um, a couple of years ago, my son Caleb, I think I've shared this before, but he was playing video games um, in our basement with a friend, and they were going to buy a game online. And his friend said, hey, if you put an Alaska zip code in as your local address, you don't have to pay taxes, so we'll get the games cheaper if we do that. And Caleb says, I'm not doing that because that would be dishonest. I I'm not going to do that. And he's like, oh, come on, it's not a big, no, I'm not going to do it. And I'm, I'm not sitting in there. I can hear them having this conversation, so I'm kind of proud when this is happening. But what he did, what he did is he said, no, my value is much more important than what's in my immediate interest right now. And we have to have vision for that is what is my value, not what's going to benefit me immediately, not what's, what, it, what I think would help me in the immediate Another one, as I was talking about this last night, my daughter Grace said, we well, got to tell them this one too. So I'll, I'll mention this one. Angie and the girls were out at Panera one day, and um, Grace noticed this lady um, who was leaving, and her purse was left at the table. And she thought that she was going to come back for it, but she never did. And so she pointed it out to Angie, and she said, Mom, that lady left her purse. And uh, so... They said, well, let's go get her. So they grab the purse, and they go running out. And the lady's starting to drive away. And they're flagging her down, flagging her down. And finally, she stops. And uh, they say, you know, you forgot your purse. And she was like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. I'm so glad that you, you did that. Now, there are a couple of things that could have been in best interest immediately. Whatever the contents of that person might have been in your best interest, but you kind of would realize that's stealing. But also, it's a little inconvenient to go run and track her down. You could be saying, you know what, she'll probably realize and come back, so I'll just turn it in at the front. But they wanted to make sure that she got that because they had a value for helping people out, or for serving people and making sure that there was security. So, so when we guide our lives through, through our values, which is that one thing, which is Jesus, when we, when we hone down to that one thing, whatever our immediate best interests are don't nearly matter so much. And when we live from our values, the people who love us, who are around us, can trust us because they know how I'm going to act if I'm in a situation. They're not worried, well, what's in his best interest right now? What's, what's the decision he's going to make? And the people who don't like us at least know how, what we're going to do. They at least know that, that we're going to be consistent with that. The other uh, thing I want to mention is let our being lead our doing. You've heard over and over again, I don't know where this, the, the saying started. I've heard it so much I'm almost annoyed with it, is we are human beings, not human doings. You heard that one? I mean, it's almost cliche now. I've heard it so many times. But it's true that we want to allow who we are to lead what we do. Okay, and so um, 
I'm a son of God, and therefore I'm going to go after these goals. Let's say I want to get on the worship team. I'm a son of God, and so I'm going to try out for the worship team. Not, I'm going to try out for the worship team so that I can be a son of God, so that I can prove that I'm a son of God, so I can prove to myself, so that I can prove that God loves me. No, I am loved by God, and so I'm going to allow that to fuel whatever things I'm going after, whatever the goals, because he's my one thing. And whatever else doesn't happen doesn't matter because he's my one thing, because that's what I'm going after. Infinite vision will always trump finite vision in the long term. If you have vision for eternity, in the short term, you might see people, you know, doing a lot of things, but, it, but in, the, in the long term, it won't work out. We've learned this in, in wars. When a, when a bigger country is invading a smaller country, um, you know, you look at like Russia and Afghanistan or, or United States with Vietnam, there are lots more resources with the bigger country, but when you're fighting to win, which is a finite goal, I'm fighting to win. There's a beginning, there's an end, and I know that I'm done. When you're fighting to win against somebody else who is fighting to survive and live, you will lose because they will never stop. It's infinite. They will never stop. They will always be fighting to survive. They will always be continuing to try to, to work through it. So as we, as we go through this, this is, what, this is really what we're going after. So I wanted to, to finish just a few minutes um, early this morning because I wanted to leave a little bit of time, and the, the, the team can come if, if they're here. Um, I want to leave a little bit of time to allow the Lord give you a little glimpse of his infinity. So um, what I want you to, to, to do is I want you to just think about where you fit and how finite, whatever it is, the worries that you've been carrying, whatever things that you've been uh, living in and dealing with in life, how finite those things are. Whatever problems you're carrying, I would bet you most of them you probably won't be worried about next week. But if you are, next year you probably won't be. And when you come to your deathbed, most of those worries that you have are probably not going to be an issue at all. And so I want you to recognize your commitment this morning that you're not committing to just um, get saved. You're committing to become more Christ-like. So let's stand up. And I'm going to open the front here. If you just need to take some time and, and say, God, I, I really don't know how big you are. Or maybe, you know what, I've never even really started this, this journey into infinity. I don't know who, who Jesus is. I want to receive him as, as my Lord and Savior and then start becoming more Christ-like from there. I would invite you to, to come up and, and do that. But even if not, if you're just saying, you know, I want to know I want to put my foot and move toward this infinite thing. I want to go forward into that. I want to go after him in that. Not just going after a goal that's going to end, but I want to only know increase as he does. The increase of his government will know no end. So uh, put your hands out.
Lord, we, uh, we love you. We love you, Lord. And Lord, we just uh, ask that you would give us your vision. That you would show us more of, of, of who, who you are. Of what we can't even comprehend. What we can't understand. We fully, freely admit we have no idea how big you are. We have no grid for it. We have no understanding. So Lord, we give that to you and we just take a step forward into your increase that knows no end. We lay down everything else. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you. We just soak you in. Just fill us and soak us in Jesus' name. I'm going to invite you, if you'd like to just spend a a few minutes soaking in him, you can come up to the front. You can stay where you are. Uh, If you'd like to to leave now, you're you're welcome to dismiss as well. But I just speak God's covering and blessing over all that he is, all he does, and all he is in you. We praise you, Jesus. Go forth with vision for eternity. Amen. Have a great Sunday.